True Connections is a journey within to discover that you are part of everything. Life can often feel disjointed, but you and I are actually connected to one another, to nature, to animals, and many other ways like your thoughts, intentions, dreams, even your imagination. It's my desire to bring spiritual insight to these true connections so that you can get into the flow of life, receive the things that you want without struggle, and enjoy a more constant level of happiness. I am Weston Jolly, your host. Body and Soul To start the new year, I thought we'd focus on the subject of body and soul. Now, I know that you've heard these two words being thrown together, But I want to specifically focus on what we are trying to show ourselves with our bodies. It's true. If you have a healthy body, you probably don't think about it. But what I want to focus on with this Body and Soul series is actually listening to what our bodies are trying to tell us. Truth is, we are usually taking our bodies for granted until something happens that forces our attention to be present with something that we need to be aware of. Connecting with your body will automatically connect you with your soul. If you want to put the two categories together, it's my observation that most of us practice a huge disconnect with our bodies. For example, most of the time, we take this precious vessel, our body, for granted to such an extreme that we may or may not really understand what's happening within the body and more importantly, what you're actually feeling. Now, why would feeling be so important? Well, the reason is that our ability to feel, as interpreted by our body and mind, it's a wonderful path to connecting with our soul. Certainly, this is true if you're listening. I have invited several people to join me in also getting their perspectives, thoughts, and opinions to put a light on the body and soul connection. It is my, or should I say, our intention, and purpose that you would open yourself to hear, see, and follow any new practices and integrating with your body in a way that deepens your illumination of your soul. Listen carefully, as there will be many layers, spiritual layers, discussed in how we can unite our body and soul together. So let's get started and listening to our first guest. Thank you for joining us. I'm very honored today to have someone special to uh, to talk with. And Desiree Rumba is someone who's been teaching yoga now for 30 years internationally. Now, most yoga teachers don't have that opportunity, and so I'm, I'm very curious to find out, of course, a little bit more about uh, Desiree and what she has done and continues to do and why she does it. And Desiree, I just wanted to thank you very much for being um, on the program here with us. Thank you. I'm excited, too, Weston. And Desiree, we were discussing just a moment ago that we came into contact with one another, what, like 21 years ago? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) So it's been quite a while. Um, I was just wondering, what started you on your journey? It was the late 80s, and I was an aerobics teacher. Everyone I knew was teaching aerobics in the 80s, right? Sure. (laughs) Jane Bonda. (laughs) Right? I went to a convention for aerobics in L.A., and there was one yoga class being offered, which is so funny now because yoga is so popular. One yoga class? i got to back up. One One. yoga class? (laughs) Yeah, and the rest was all different forms of aerobics. Wow. (laughs) And so I tried it out of curiosity, total curiosity, and having been a dancer, 
of course, I took to it immediately because it was poses that I could do because I was naturally flexible anyway. Sure. Um, and I thought, I'm going to seek this out. And I really had to work to seek it out, even in Southern California. But I found it, and I just dove into it, pursued it, because it, it spoke to my heart more than aerobics was doing. How is it that someone um, becomes a international yoga teacher? And I know that you've um, lovingly made contributions to uh, several yoga periodicals as well. Yeah. Well, that all began after I met my teacher back in 93, John Friend at the time, and he created a, a style or a method of hatha yoga called Anusara. And so I was lucky to get in there at the very beginning of that and because I was like the fourth teacher in the world to be certified in that style, it became popular quickly and people started inviting those of us who were certified early on to become presenters and teach their community this method. I had no idea. Yeah, the, you know, yeah. Uh-huh. The, the fourth awesome. person in the world to teach that. Yeah, I, had I was. I was back then. You know, <laughs> but now there's so many methods. So many people have created their own method now. But back then, that was unusual. Sure. Um, I grew up in the Iyengar system, and that's what he was into. Iyengar has been around for a long time. That method. We met there, and then he branched off, and I followed him. And that's how that started. Well, as you know, uh, Desiree, our theme today is on the body and the soul. And I want to share with our audience a couple of questions that I'm going to be asking you. So at the moment, I'm going to ask that you not ask, answer them, excuse me, um, but uh, give me an opportunity to share that with everybody else. I'm interested in knowing a little bit more about what makes... Uh, the body, mind, and soul connection. And basically, there's a lot of people that are almost overt in their choices to be athletic or tuned into their bodies. And there seems to be almost the opposite, where there's the other half or the other um, portion, let's put it that way, that really, really struggles to be in their body embodiment for whatever reason. So I'd love to talk about that in a moment. And I know that you know, sometimes we're not necessarily always feeling encouraged or something has happened in our life or um, maybe our, our whole life seems to have added up to almost this lethargic feeling like we shouldn't um, participate in being in our body. And I'm, I'm very interested in a little bit of your story, too, and how that interrelates into you getting involved in yoga. Unlike you, Desiree, um, I have not had a natural or proclivity to be flexible, um, meaning my hamstrings are as tight as they possibly could be, which makes me probably a great tennis player, of which I like to attack. <laughs> but in terms of uh, being able to uh, flex that way, I know that I have had to go through quite a bit of even emotional things to discover what's going on with that particular muscle group that has kept me from being inflexible. Anyway, so I wanted to talk about some things like that, if you um, see that with other people as well. And I would love to you to offer, offer some uh, some steps, some specific steps on how we might actually begin to immediately put our body into motion um, for the purposes and the benefit of our soul and what that looks like. So let's kind of swing back to the beginning. And Desiree, give us an idea of, uh, again, from a personal perspective, what what really threw you into the yoga practice? Was it just uh, you know uh, going from one activity to another, or is there something deeper than that? There was a recognition in me in my early classes, the, like the tears in my eyes. I don't know why, but uh, like this feeling, I should be doing this. 
came to me very strongly, not just because I could, because uh, I was flexible, but also there was something else happening besides the physicality of being a dancer, performing dancer. I was just standing in a, in a room full of other people on a mat doing a triangle pose. Yeah. And then when you, when you do things like backbends, we were laying on blocks, you know, those foam yoga blocks. Yeah, yeah. Put them under your upper back. You yeah. lay on them with your arms open and your eyes are closed. Like, nobody's watching me perform. It's different than dance. I'm not doing it for that reason. And I'm feeling. I'm, I'm cause, causing myself to just stay and feel. And then I would start to cry. Something was bubbling up from within that I didn't understand. So uh, this was not a particularly happy time in my life when I found yoga either. I was not happily married. Two little kids. Felt stuck. Felt like I obligated to stay in this thing, but not happily, and looking for answers. So I think that that's what drew me into. Felt like I think I'm going to find an answer here to my struggles. You know. Would it be fair to say that um, through this process that you discovered more about your body, of course, but also about some soul attributes? I think so, for sure. I, I became much more empowered. As I, you know, I grew up like you did, Catholic, religion, religious, going to church, and I was into that completely. But this Eastern kind of philosophy was so different, and it, it piqued my interest and drew me in, and it introduced me to myself more than I had ever found before. But I was also young. I was late 20s. I guess that's not that young to start questioning things that you've learned in your youth and to wonder, who am I? You know, sure. <laughs> how did I end up here? What am I doing with my life? I think that's where I was. It's interesting because um, actually I grew up or I was exposed to um, uh, the Episcopal Church, which is, of course, an offshoot of Catholic. Um, but the, um, the, the nature, my connection to the divine or spirit was something that I can never not remember. Um, and yet it wasn't uh, the same as what I had experienced in many different forms of my growing up and jumping around to different religious practices. And I remember going to Santa Monica and, and riding with the heel of my foot, not thinking um, this huge, huge uh, question mark. And it probably was, uh, I don't know, 50 feet large. And it was my, um, I thought, you know, font size would matter to God. So I figured if I made the question mark big enough, then there would be a response. And this was ages ago. And I was just, had this insatiable curiosity that there has to be something more. And like you, um, I just felt <laughs> at one point just completely moved and, it's one could even use the word called, but that's not like a religious term, but rather just moved to um, pursue something that was <laughs> totally outside of what I thinking I would do based upon my background, and yet uh, I can't even begin to fathom having done or doing what I continue to do in the same way that perhaps you do. Yeah, it is. It's really hitting me now talking to you. I haven't spoken about this with anybody before about that time in our lives when we. I grew up following the rules. Like the Catholic Church was perfect for a little girl that wants to follow rules, right? <laughs> do, do everything right and do everything the adults tell you to, and your life will turn out perfect. Yeah. And then my life wasn't turning out very happy. And I, that's the questioning. That's like my midlife crisis rebellion started then. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's it's fair. Um, I actually, one could actually say that I, I joined organized religion for that reason as well, because I felt that if I did certain kinds of things well, which I had a proclivity to do, that there would be a reward for that. And of course, that meant uh, understanding um, and and uh, compliance and, you know, self-discipline, which uh, in one sense, we could even use the word control. <laughs> um, but the the change uh, was significant because, you know, what I bumped into um, actually with my family in Hawaii, just journaling out of the blue, uh, suddenly took me in a completely different direction. But it was... Um, it was something that just moved me, slash my soul, and of course my body. And, and the reason I wanted to talk about body and soul as an integrating piece is because a lot of people separate that. They see as our soul connection as something that we're striving to do almost outside of our bodies, or as if there's this great big uh, uh, tractor that's keeping these two things separate. And I know for you, and if I don't you don't mind me uh, complimenting you, you have a beautiful body. And the things that you do with your body, uh, Desiree, and just as an observer, not having been the kind of dancer that you are, I don't mind free dancing, but you have a tremendous connection to your body. And I'm interested, do you think that that's a um, a spiritual connection? Definitely now. Probably not when I was younger. And, yeah, I do have a connection. I think I was born to do this. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're saying about some people separate the two. Early on in my career, I would have students come in and say, I'm only here for the physical part of yoga. I'm not interested in any of the spirituality. <laughs> right? It's laughable. Yeah. They are very earnest when yeah. they're telling me that as a teacher. So you go, okay, I'm only going to talk to your body. I'm not going to talk to your heart. Okay, so don't listen with your heart. <laughs> That's funny. It's just the body. <laughs> yeah. But God bless them. If they stay with this practice, it does integrate it for all of us. It, it, it can't help but get to us and wake up our feelings. And as yoga teachers, we try to get people to feel, not just do, you know, yes. be a human being, not just a human doing. And we're, it's interesting. We that In all my channeling, um, that thought, uh, that question, actually, the inquiry of how do you feel, I've probably asked that question of others in in my own personal journaling uh, hundreds of times, if not hundreds of thousands of times, and I'm not exaggerating with that, um, because that language, and I say language because it's much more uh, truthful than the language that we use today in terms of the English or whatever nationality that we happen to practice, is very interesting because those feelings that we have, and I'm not talking about just uh, being on the recipient of feelings, but rather realizing that we're actually choosing and creating these feelings um, and showing ourselves with these feelings is pretty incredible. And, yeah, I think that yoga as a practice, um, well, kind of turns on a light. I mean, you know, I, I... got exposed to meditation um, by running, actually, and the first time my mind slipped out of gear, and then it was it dawned on me that this could be cool to actually sit down. And as a type A personality, that just seemed insane. And yoga as a practice, too, is something that I practice irregularly, to be totally honest with you and everybody else. But there's something about it um, in the breathing, uh, the connection that for me personally, I just have to say it this way, is I can't help but feel the spirituality of it. And I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm just, but it's different than doing sit-ups at the gym. I don't feel that doing that or, you know, doing pull-ups or something different. There's something about uh, these practices, and I'm not talking about just one genre of yoga either. 
that um, uh, should we say again calls to my soul to has me pulled in to want to participate or even just to watch. <laughs> I mean, just watching a group of people, I just feel uh, uh, a desire of communion to be there. And that's just something pretty marvelous to be a part of, and especially you as a teacher. It is. It's like conducting a grand symphony of people who are 100% present <laughs> when you teach yoga. It's, it's really wonderful, especially as people are more skilled and more advanced in their studies and they really know what they're doing. Sure. Not just so much about the poses, but they know why they're doing what they're doing. That's an amazing group to be among. Yes, I agree, yeah. um, to have that uh, synergy. And I, I, too, I feel honored, and I could even use the words blessed, to feel the participation of spirit um, in everybody, of course. But, you know, as it flows through me and as it received, I receive it as well, and I just feel like, wow, this is just, it couldn't get any better. Um, and just um, being a part of the whole process. On your website, I noticed this quote, and I'm going to share it with everybody, that you used the comment or the phrase, love is stronger than fear. And I'm curious, what is exactly does that mean? That's the motto that I live by because I'm trying to learn all the time whenever I feel afraid or weak or negative thoughts pop into my head. I'm turning in towards fear. I need to turn the ship around. Okay. And that's one thing that yoga teaches is you can actually 180 degree change your thinking by processing it through your head and your heart and not just your head. Because I think I go into fear when I get into my head and then I got to drop down into my heart and my breath and really get still and I can transform honestly, not just fake, right, transform right. that thought and that feeling. And that's what love is stronger than fear. And many of my students also use that motto. They like it. It resonates with them as the thing they're trying to learn in their life to come from that place of not being afraid of others, not being afraid of what other people think about you. You know, um, it's a blocked way of living when, when we're fear-based. Sure. Worrying. And then you can learn to tap into your intuition. Like, should I do this or should I not? Well, it feels like it's going to be okay. Well, trust that. You know, that's trust that. <laughs> Don't be afraid. <laughs> right. Um, you know, that when we remove that resistance or I've often used the term separation, which comes, of course, from the mind or the ego. Uh, when we remove that division, uh, we move automatically into a state of connection. And that connection is uh, not not ego-based in terms of or even competitive-based, um, meaning I've been to yoga classes where uh, some of the, I'm going to have to point to the guys, and not, this isn't always the case where they become a little competitive. <laughs> like, you know, I can do this. Right. And, and, and I laugh, mm-hmm. and I said, well, you know, I'm not really here for that. I'm interested in just, shall we say, doing the poses in a, in a means that would connect me. I'm not really trying to impress anybody in class because I don't really feel like I have that, that skill set um, in that particular way. And I'm glad um, because... Uh, it keeps me away from having to give that as a, as a thought as much as just really wanting to connect with my body. And that part is something, Desiree, and I say this very honorably in love of you, that's something you're really, really gifted at personally. And it's something that you obviously teach uh, to the point that you've been doing this for the length of time that you've had. Uh, and it's not because, again, my observation isn't that you have to do this, but rather, again, this is something that you really, really enjoy. And I, I have changed as a teacher over time. This is the blessing of being able to do what you love for such a long time, as like you, is you, you evolve with it and you learn more. 
It's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm continuing to learn and appreciate things. That, like, And I also look at my younger self without judgment now, too. Like, she was doing the best she could. <laughs> and younger teachers that maybe um, not as, I don't know what it is. It's like a sensitivity you develop when you get older. I don't judge them either because I understand that for where they are, that all makes sense. So I've become less judgmental, which is really nice. I started stepping more into the world of working with older people. Mm-hmm. But now I'm also attracting younger people. As that has grown, um, there are a lot of younger people now that want to learn this way of being. Uh, more con- more considerate with the body, more open to listening to it. Yeah, we want to be challenged, but there's another way to challenge besides trying to do acrobatic tricks. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the way you play, like they want to play the long game. And that, that's what I really teach. I don't teach yoga for people who are afraid and weak. I pe- uh, teach yoga for people who are strong and want to continue. Right. Because I've learned the hard way what you have to watch out for if you want to not wear your shoulders out, or for instance, or your back, you know. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. The... Um... The, the transformation, how, how did you, how will you describe the transformation that takes place with body and soul from, again, your perspective? When you practice yeah. regularly for a long period of time? Yeah. Well, the sensitivity, the softness you were talking about, uh, one, one thing I love about yoga is I've learned how to heal my own aches and pains. And along the way, if you do anything physical tennis, for instance, you're going to it's a um, asymmetrical sport, right? Overhead, right? One one arm, you know, getting attacked all the time. You probably have had those times when you you have to go to see a doctor, right? A shoulder, right? Elbow. People get wrist issues with all kinds of sports, knees, and to be able to know how to heal that through the movement that I do with the strength, the muscularity, and stuff. It's, that's a huge gift. It's well, like I, I liken it to people who can fix their house or their car, and they don't have to call an expert, you know? Yeah. Well, hold on. Let's <laughs> back up a little bit. my house. Is, is, is mm-hmm. it, are you suggesting that um, someone doesn't have to be in perfect athletic condition to come practice yoga? If they are strong, it's going to be easier for them. Okay. So when people come in and they're weak or injured, they're going to have to get stronger and heal that part first. Okay. And that's that's how I've learned to teach that. So it's not that they can't do it. It's that strength is the doorway we all have to walk through. And if we're, if we're weak, we have to heal the uh, strength in the weak part. And really the weakness isn't it just us showing us something via our body, which is, of course, the last 
plane and 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 it, wanting to show something to us that this is something going on. Hey, um, take a look at this. this. You know, pain is uncomfortable, uh, but but or an issue is uncomfortable. But when we actually become aware of it, how it came to be, which may or may not be so simple, it's not necessarily the cut and paste. Um, you know, processes a lot of times we are familiar with today, but rather something goes deeper. And when we actually deal with that, it has an effect, meaning it has an effect on our body. So the, the soul, if you will, or our spiritual self, uh, should we say, can, can create that balance um, without necessarily, I won't say that we have, don't have to apply ourselves, but not necessarily in the way that, that I think a lot of people, well, let me back up. I don't think a lot of people really understand that, that that connection can be made. And so if we went to a class, let's say if I went to your class and I had a knee problem, it's not about you forcing me to do something I can't do. It's the complete opposite of that, right? We call pain our little guru, our teacher. Mm-hmm. Like if you have knee, knee pain, that, that is there to teach her, wake us up to learn how to move in a more efficient way, to open up some tight places and strengthen some weak places so that the pain goes away and then we're free. So it's a little, it's calling. It's like a wake-up call. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. and no, we're never going to cause more pain to that thing, but we are going to look into it. We're, we're going to stay away. That's what people will do. They'll come in and they'll say, I know my limitations. I've got this bad knee. Yeah. <laughs> so that will stop them. They'll be sitting out for a lot of things. And so I've learned from the methods I've studied and all the work I've done on my own body with physical therapy is how to go into that with loving kindness and actually make it feel better rather than let it keep you away from things. Pretty marvelous. It is. And actually, you, yeah. you didn't use the word, but I'm going to, and that's compassion, isn't it, where you're literally being, being so compassionate. And we can feel that, not just in terms of uh, the rolling of the teacher's eyes, but really loving. Um, and that that's something that I I find with I'm going to say all yoga teachers, and I really have yet to have found one that didn't have that that intrinsic compassion and love that feels like I feel welcome, even though I I stepped into a yoga group that I've never been in before. Um, And they're just very, very loving. And it's not um, a club or a group or... um, in, in, the, in the traditional sense where we uh, hoping to be accepted to the club, I just feel it's a very, very um, natural coalition or collaboration of people coming together in a, in a space that's, frankly, pretty neutral, meaning neutral in the sense that outside of the different variations and thoughts that we have, uh, including our, our differences of lifestyle, to come in and do something different. And there's something so compelling about that. Isn't it? Yeah, walking in and feeling like it's okay for me to be here, no matter what shape I'm in or what I my thoughts are like or <laughs> how much money I have or what kind of education I have. Because everybody's wearing T-shirts and shorts and they don't know <laughs> anything else about you. You're in your bare feet. That's what I would love about it. I've got people with PhDs and multiple degrees and several houses. They're sitting in my class in their T-shirts, shorts, and bare feet, and we're working on their arches of their feet or their knees. <laughs> so beautiful. You can't compare. It is. It, it is. It's, it's kind of nice to uh, step away from uh, these perceived parts of who we are in terms of our our identities. So you're saying then too uh, that Desiree, the the transformation is it something that we can uh, develop, or is that something that happens to us as a result of getting connected to our our bodies in this way? Definitely, we just always start from where we are. That's what I love what you said. We all are welcome here. It's a come as you are party. You don't have to be 
such and such, like, have achieved a certain thing. It's not a competitive thing. Like, so many of the sports activities that people love are competitive because they need to have that goal. Sure. But in yoga, there's no goal <laughs> except getting to know yourself better and learning how to connect your head and your heart. Like, that's the only goal. Achieving poses is not the goal, although it looks like the goal, and it might lead some people for a while. It's eventually going to have to shift because nobody's body can take that kind of hard push, achieve, achieve, achieve for their whole lifetime. Sure. Yeah done not not possible i think that is a blessing i think that part is really interesting to me because of course my background which i'm going to call it stereotypical which may or may not be true but was very competitive so you know we're playing football baseball um uh, tennis skiing uh, even these individual sports were always in from where i came from quite competitive not kind of so going into a yoga class where um you know What's the goal? You know, uh, show me how to kick the, the football between the posts. Um, you know, I'm looking for that. I'm laughing about my first time going in. And I, I, I was really confused. It was like a game that we didn't have any rules and we're just going to focus on, our, on ourselves. And I thought, well, what does that mean? Focus on myself. I mean, you know, I'm looking around at other people in the class and they seem to be doing better than I am. So I'm already going into that competitive mindset um, and realizing actually kind of quickly, uh, almost alarmingly, that I don't have to do that. And that was, um, again, a different kind, a very subtle and a very uh, beautiful invitation that, I don't know if I would have experienced unless I stepped into the class. Right. Yeah. It, that, the way you describe it is perfect. That's exactly what it is. And it's, but you know what the thing is? I take my yoga background into the gym with me because I took up weightlifting seriously a couple of years ago. And now I find that I can use that in there. And I, I just wonder if that crossover is happening for more and more people these days between whatever sport they love that has the competitive nature, the goal, the achievement thing, and then the yoga that is in their blood now. Yes. I think that's starting to happen. You know, my daughter um, uh, lovingly uh, determined that she wanted to interview me, and she was on a recent podcast, and we're going to do some more of that. But she brought her perspective that sometimes being so close to the trees that I missed, and I want to ask the question of you, have you noticed a change in people at large, but especially young people, in terms of their interest uh, to be more connected? Well, the, the young people that I work with, yeah, they're, they're awake at an earlier age than I remember. So, yes, and it, probably there's so many reasons for that. The world we live in is driving people there sooner. There's do, a need. Yeah, I do think that, too. And I, actually, that's why I love your uh, comment um, or your, your phrase that others are using, love is stronger than fear, because especially in today's, uh, should we say, more recent political climate, uh, which has been the total opposite of that. And that's when I say recent. That's been going on since the beginning of humankind. But the idea that we can focus on something that's greater than um, separation and fear is incredible. And yeah, I feel, um, you know, through my daughter's, you know, kind of being, putting a magnifying glass uh, on that thought for me, um, I have slipped into that not knowing, or but there's been a tremendous change because I see individuals who have awareness that, uh, boy, I didn't get to a lot later than them. And again, I'm not saying that competitively, it's just in terms of objectively. And yet, what a difference it makes um, to have an understanding of what your purpose is, how you want to uh, follow that purpose, and 
and do those things that just you feel compelled to do. There's something about that, Desiree, isn't there, that, that you have been, you know, using your body and um, your talents and your abilities, you know, obviously from the get-go, but to, to really, really express that, even a full and more complete expression, there's something just really, really <laughs> individually cool about that. I was just thinking about young people and the millennials. You know, they get a bad rap, but you and I have raised those kids. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. (laughs) I'm very active in my kids' lives right now. My daughter has two babies, and so we moved in order so that I can help her with those babies every day. So I'm around that millennial energy quite often now, and sometimes we talk about it and work out together at the gym. and. I think my kids were born to tell me to stop living in fear. The millennial generation lives in the present moment. I, I've got to share. Our generation was not doing that. I've got to share this with you, but it was something that most people that know me to some degree have experience with. But when I first sat down to tell our children um, what this change of life was going to take place with regards to what dad did because I was involved in business in a big way and I was making a huge shift. And I had this family meeting that I want you to think of this being more of like a board of directors meeting where I'm leading it and everyone else is quiet, um, which is, of course, the style that I was raised in. But um, we're having this meeting and I'm telling the kids that there's going to be this big change. My son's 11, my daughter's 10, and my son stands up and goes, yeah, we've been expecting you to get here. And I'm talking about, you know, going from, you know, coat and tie to briefcase change to God knows what I'm going to end up doing uh, in terms of that's how I felt at the time. And he said, yeah, meeting's done. He stands up, grabs his sister, and they leave the, the room. And I'm like, what? I mean, yeah, that's, not, that's, not even, that's not even possible. And so, yeah, I don't know if I'm not, you know, there are the teachers and I'm, you know, dog piling behind them, hoping to catch up a little bit, but it's it certainly felt like that in my family, and I, I, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen your daughter, um, but I, I know that's true with you, too. <laughs> For sure, and, uh, and my grandkids now are here to teach me more, Yes, and I just follow this little guru that's three years old around and be present with her, and... Uh, feel better for it. So I'm, I'm very, it makes me excited about the future. See where this is where I could be afraid of the future. There's a lot of talk of fear of the future, climate change and everything. Sure. But the, if, I, if I think like that, I'm going to become depressed. When we focus our attention on what we want to create, and you, you suggested it several times, and I want to really highlight this very much, is by being present. And by being present isn't about what happened in eighth grade or seventh grade for me or uh, what happened even last week. It's about really creating what we want in this moment. Um, And if we're going to do that in terms of manifesting or creating anything in terms of world peace and or substantial changes to um, our our contributions to one another as human beings, um, we really want to be present. Without that, we're chasing our tails. I mean, we're going round and round. We're chasing the past. We're chasing the future. Uh, We're we're busy as we can possibly be, um, even more distracted than we've ever been. But this thought of becoming present is really... Well, it's kind of sleepy. It's been around forever, by the way. (laughs) It's not a new thing, but it's it's really, really cool to just uh, go into that moment and find out what the present moment, where it will take you. Without fear. Without of fear. the future. Yeah. Or regret about the past. And yeah. the, that's how we get distracted from the present moment. It's so easy for us to do that. 
And that's why I like the younger generation. I see when I created my program called Wisdom Warriors for people over 50, Uh I thought that it would be good to just hang out with like-minded peers and cook in that soup. Sure. But after working with that for a few years, yeah, it was fun. We could talk about dental work and there'd be no eye work. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a bridge and you didn't. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Don't don't mention having a crown break to a 30-year-old. No. (laughs) Then what do you do? But um, I I realized that we know I need the younger generation. I need to be stimulated. I need to learn from them. I need to be challenged. Otherwise, I'm going to kind of settle into... It's okay. That that's the thing about aging. It's okay not to work so hard anymore. It's okay not to challenge yourself now. You can just settle back in. So that that's the dance I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm allowing myself to be challenged by younger people, but using my wisdom. Yeah, that's uh, why I call it wisdom warriors. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I um, I haven't played tennis for quite a while, and fortunately, I I have not had any injuries of any kind, uh, really. Um, so, but the um, the flow of the game is, is, as I've matured, if I can use that term, is to become more efficient. Um, I mean, it used to be I would mm. chase that ball everywhere that it goes. Now, I still want to do that. Um, but things have changed. And so my, my interest now is to integrate being at the one with the ball, the, the, my, my tennis racket, of course, uh, strangely, but the court. I mean, you know, the court, the weather, the birds, I mean, literally everything. Um, and then, of course, we have this person that's on the other side of me acting like a backboard, kick it back. And regardless of what that activity is, that connection is more fun than the game. <laughs> so the idea mm. that, that I become more uh, in tune to the process is, um, I don't know, that's where I've been putting all of my attention. It, it, it fuels me not to try and do things with the least amount of strokes as we would play the game of golf, but but that is the objective. But to to really um, be efficient with uh, the connection, and to me, that comes back to this thought that you're presenting to us that by being present, we find ourselves there. So you know, we can have the hole in one, or I can have the ace, um, and yet I'm on to the next hole or the next stroke. And then if I'm holding on to that, then of course I'm in trouble. <laughs> and that could be uh, that I hit a wonderful shot to um, something much much less than that. And I think the the practice of yoga is indeed very, very refreshing in that way because it draws us into the process instead of it being an objective that we're trying to get to. Right. Right. And there's so many different aspects of the practice. It's... uh Sometimes it's for restore, restoring yourself, like resting. There's resting yoga and there's active yoga. And I like the yin and yang of that. Yeah. I was also thinking about the fact that you've never been injured in tennis, which is amazing, as much as aggressively as you've played. But uh, sometimes I wonder if like, you've got tight hamstrings. If you came into a yoga class really seriously and devoted yourself to the practice, you might start to uncover some places where you didn't realize. That could be. Tight, you, know? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I started stretching. I, let me back up. I was encouraged spiritually to start stretching um, like two years ago. And I thought that. That meant um, a little bit, meaning I was I was going to the gym uh, very aggressively, lifting uh, those kinds of things. Fine, but the stretching part was eh, giving it some attention, and the yoga class would be mm-hmm. you know tethered in here and there. And I ended up stretching for a year and a half, um, pretty much uh, putting aside all of my what used to be normal lifting and running workouts. Um, 
And that's not good or bad. It's just something I was pursuing. But in doing that, I discovered all kinds of things that I wasn't aware that I was doing to my body um, unconsciously. And one of the things that I had grown up with was I was exposed to the idea that if we're going to get something out as an anger or frustration, we go to the gym to get it out because that was a safe place to do it versus, you know, um, striking or, you know, getting involved in something like that. And that made sense to some degree. But I found that I was actually hurting myself um, when I say hurting. Um, minor things in the gym, and in my stopping to do that, to actually become present with stretching, which actually turned into, um, we could, if you looked at me in the gym, it looks like I'm practicing yoga, and for all intents and purposes, I'm, I'm, I'm not practicing positions, but I'm, I'm certainly. Well, that's not true either. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing things in an effort to get myself connected back into my body. And in doing that, I found that there was a lot of things that were repressed or that were trying to be expressed in my body that that I hadn't, shall we say, taken the time to see. And in doing that, I was like, oh, goodness sakes. And mm-hmm. most of that discovery was fortunately not done through um, – pain where I was forced to do that because of something, but rather I was bringing myself here because, well, my, I could use the words, I came by accident to do that, but that wouldn't be truthful either. But there was some part of me that knew that I needed to reconnect in that way. And that seems to be, I don't know, um, something that's really drawing me more than ever to be really connected to my body um, in the same way that we connect to our, ourselves spiritually. And of course, this is the whole reason I want to bring this whole topic to everybody, because I, I think that's tremendous value that we can really take a moment to become aware of what our bodies are trying to communicate to us. So I think you're sharing something pretty strong, the idea that maybe I haven't known or maybe I still don't know um, some things that are going on. I think that's very, very fair as an observer, but of course, you being the teacher that you are, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Well, and if I took up tennis, I would quickly learn where I, you know, anytime you cross train, that's why I do weightlifting to balance out the flexibility that I have. I've learned so much. In fact, when I first started, there were things I could not do. Here, I've done yoga all my life, and I can't bench press because my shoulder is so wacky. Right, right. And so then I had to heal the shoulder. That's what I'm talking about. And because of what I do and all the different types of yoga that I do, I think my my view of my aging process is is affected in a positive way. And that, that's what I want to say to people who are on the fence. They think they should try yoga, but they're afraid to. Is just think about you 10 years from now. Yeah. You know? And back it up. What do you want to be able to do comfortably? Do you want to be able to get up and down off the floor easily? Do you want to be able to get in and out of a car without grunting? Do you want to be able to carry things, you know? Back it up because that's uh, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, me too. But, you know, I, I have a pretty assertive desire, meaning I want to be doing backflips in my 90th year um, in, the, <laughs> in, in the assumption that I want to, meaning I, I, I really don't want my body um, – should we say, telling me what I can and can't do. And that's probably why I give it the attention that, that I have, because I'm interested in living a lifestyle that is not, it's not limiting to me. Now, that's something I don't get to control, um, meaning things can take place within my body, and I understand that as it happens with everybody. But I think these are opportunities. Uh, instead of them being um, the end of the road, meaning if something did happen or I have to overcome something, uh, whether that's emotionally or physically, um, it's, part of the, it's part of the process. So, so instead of thinking that I'm, I'm done because you know, I can no longer go, go play tennis or swing a golf club or whatever else those things would want to be, it becomes a change. And I, I like that. And I sense that within you, uh, 
Desiree, and I actually always have, that there's some part of you that's really um, <laughs> flexible, but not just from a mechanical, physical, or bodily way, but a flexibility that allows you to shift. And my senses, and by the way, I've never had the glorious opportunity to have you as my teacher as a class, but I have a sense that you um, you lead your classes with the ability or with the actually conscious desire to shift that so that that kind of communication is being taught to us. Is that fair to say? That's what I try to do. I really do. I, I want this attitude for people. Um, this is, I, I have this vision of uh, continuing to teach for the rest of my life because I love to share what I'm learning and I keep learning and evolving. But yeah, exactly how you described it. We may have to learn from some changes that happen and we may have to learn a really hard lesson if we become paralyzed. Sure. About those of us who love movement, but to not be afraid. I think that's my biggest message is to not let fear stop us, to be more inquisitive, more curious, not let fear stop us from anything. Because there's mountains of evidence behind me of things that I've, quote, unquote, failed at or not done well at that could stop me from moving forward. And to ignore the mountains of evidence and keep going forward and the the, the thinking that it can get better, I can learn, I can change, I can grow, That's, that's how I want to be in the world. Me too. And, and of course, to my last breath. And not because I have to, just because that's something that really fuels me. And it's contagious, meaning I feel uh, an excitement in connecting to you, and that's why I wanted to uh, invite you to do what you're doing. And again, I just wanted to thank you so much for your, your contributions. Just as a person that is um, able to see that, and I'm not talking about what you're doing here, but literally how you've literally touched all of these people all around the world in different capacities, Desiree, it's, it's, it's truly extraordinary. And I just have to tell you that sometimes when you're in that body, and I'm speaking to you, you may or may not um, give that as much as attention. I'm not trying to pump up your ego, but just to tell you literally how much you are offering that contribution by just being you, let alone uh, the formality of the things that you continue to inspire us. I think it's just stunning, to be honest. Thank you, and you're right. I do forget because I'm in it. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't realize how it looks from the outside world, and that's also why you know I've shared my story so many times about losing my son. I've shared that in many ways publicly so that others who have had this experience could be inspired because I've been inspired by other people who have overcome trauma. You know, most of my audience is probably not familiar with that. And uh, if you wanted to give... Sure, I like people to know this story because they see a bouncy 60, almost 61-year-old granny playing around with her grandkids and doing yoga poses that are unreal looking. Okay, I look like a cheerleader. Let let me share with everybody that that's not true. You don't look like a granny, and you certainly have more energy than most 15-year-olds, so don't try and fool us like you're some old codger coming into the class with a cane because that's not true, and that goes for your husband, Andrew, as well. (laughs) Uh, Okay, but you know what I mean is they see us as positive, cheerleaders have got it all, sure. happy marriage, you know, all this kind of thing, and and they don't know the backstory right. that, you know, well, 16 years ago, my son at the age of 19, no, he was 20, and his girlfriend was 19, they were both murdered. They were shot while camping out overnight celebrating their one-year dating anniversary in the Phoenix desert, about an hour north of Phoenix, yeah. off I-17. I know exactly They don't know that, that yeah. that happened, yeah, and yeah. that I've had to grapple with that, and that's part of my spiritual journey, and it never was solved. The case has never been solved. 
So I've had to allow and accept his soul's journey to be different than I would have ever wanted and get get back into celebrating life and not being so full of grief, get, to get my joy back while I even still hold grief those at the same time, and it's called synthesizing happiness. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I've learned from my study is when a person has a trauma and then they have to get back and they figure out a way to climb out of that deep well, claw their way back, you know, into life, into the light of day, that's called synthesizing happiness, and that kind of happiness can never be taken away from you because you've had to manifest it. You've had to make it. It didn't just befall you, you know? Right. So... That's a long-lasting type of, if you will, happiness is such a weird word, but you know what I mean. I do. Abiding joy. It, it, yeah, the, the sense of synthesizing reminds me, again, of the, the processing. It's not something that we're... we're that we achieve, per se, and I've always said that happiness is a byproduct of our being ourselves. <laughs> so when we really are ourselves, our true selves, um, then we find ourselves being happy and peaceful and healthy and uh, kind of nice to be around. <laughs> so it, it's pretty incredible, and yet there are sometimes can be a, quite a challenge or challenges that take place. Um, I don't think that you know this, Desiree, but um, we almost lost both of our children in a um, severe accident uh, less than, you know, five blocks from the house. Um, and the accident, uh, there was six kids in the car. Um, both my son and my daughter were there, and um, uh, the, the biggest trauma happened to my daughter, and she had to have several surgeries on her head because uh, her head had actually hit the asphalt as the car was uh, turning around, meaning it, was, it spun and uh, rolled over and she had asphalt in that process. And um, it's amazing that anyone walked away from that. And yet the uh, I remember running onto the scene quite literally, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with Barry Kaufman or Susie Kaufman, but they wrote a marvelous book years ago called Happiness is a Choice and something I was exposed to. And I remember running onto the scene um, knowing that whatever we have is in this moment, um, meaning I don't know what I'm about to see. And um, what I did see was just devastating uh, to, as a father, and, and that's from my children plus all the other people that were involved in this two-car accident. There were eight people involved. And... And yet, um, there's something just, I, I'm going to get emotional about it. There's something so magical about realizing that these are moments that are uh, not tests, but, should we say, opportunities of, of continued connection. So the idea that my kids are with me today is something I feel extremely and extraordinarily uh, thankful for, and yet nothing is going to uh, remain the same. So I, I think your story is... is uh, Significant, and to be honest with you, Desiree, you know, you, you expressed it quite quickly in the same kind of way that I kind of did, um, almost like we would describe the Titanic going down uh, as scientists. <laughs> but there was a lot of emotion involved in, and you know, the idea of loss and how we reconnect to go forward, and and even the desire to want to participate uh, with ourselves happily, let alone share that opportunity for others. I think is again. Truly extraordinary, and I'm thinking of you here. Well, I knew I knew that I had a choice, as I learned from uh, watching many other people, is I could either let this take me down or lift me and others up, and that seemed like the only choice to make. And that could have been because I'd already been involved in the yoga practice for so long that I had learned early on in yoga. I learned to take responsibility. That's the 
moving from organized religion to Eastern philosophy, that there is no outside God. Right. You know, that, that the divinity is within, then I cannot blame or rely on something outside of myself. I need to take responsibility for everything that happens and everything I think about what happens. That's pretty huge. It is huge. And, and it, it, <laughs> it, it takes, um, I use the term practice, and I don't mean that like uh, discipline practice, but applied practice because we want to. But the... Uh, the beauty of going within um, and becoming accountable uh, for everything that we're participating in is really incredible. Now, accountable doesn't mean that we can control, but the, the accountability is in the idea that I get to choose um, how, my perception and that it's not happening to me, but rather I'm, I'm a part of something versus the separation that we want to continue to create because of the ego mind. And it's... Um, I don't know. There's something really, really beautiful about putting in action um, this process. And, it's, and it's, again, it's, it's very compelling to others who have or are going through uh, significant changes in their life. We, I had a, a guest, and she's a, yoga, a certified yoga teacher as well. She had cancer, uh, a very young woman, and um, with no background in terms of the family tree having cancer, and yet... Um, she was overwhelmed by the yoga community in terms of what they offered her. Um, and, and not that they wouldn't, but, but she wasn't necessarily expecting that. And, and yet it was, and by the way, real, not, not, you know, hi, how you doing type stuff, but real depth of connection from people that she, for the most part, didn't know. And, and that kind of connection is stuff that, you know, brings me to my knees in terms of wanting to be truly touched because I, I, there's something about that, that that just you can feel, and I'm so grateful for all of our connection when we when we offer that with one another. Desiree, can I ask you a question in terms of kind of wrapping it up? Would you offer us, or would you have like three steps that we could walk away from and in putting our body into to motion, and um, how that might benefit us in, in any category that you want to share? You're talking about motivating people to get up off the couch, and I am because you know um, there's there's this desire that you know it's January first. We want to make a change, and we sign up for the the new club, and yet we don't go, or, or you know we we're not necessarily making a change in lifestyle, anything from a physical level. So let us hear from you um, and your experience in terms of how we might be inspired to do three things that would take us in this new new direction. Go for a walk. <laughs> Could okay. be one thing, get out in nature. That's okay. so obvious, but okay. everyone knows that they feel better when get out in nature and not on a treadmill inside a gym. <laughs> but <laughs> it's totally sure. different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and take some time to sit quietly and just focus on the breath. That would be another one that could connect someone, even if it's just with your morning coffee, to to not be on a a device, you know, to be present to that one thing, breathing, noticing the smell, the taste of your morning beverage. That's an easy one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then simple stretching or uh, Lying down on a rolled-up blanket or something to open your heart up with your arms outstretched to get a little upper back opening with your eyes closed with some beautiful music. That would be a simple thing that feels good to bring you into the moment and feel. Uh, those, those are the most simple things I can think of. I can think of a ton of more advanced things, like I totally gave up sugar. Oh, 
oh my God, that's a life changer, but that's a big commitment. Maybe people might not be ready to do that. Maybe after the holidays. They would. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you get into that, we've given up that and then some. Um, um, for personal reasons, because, uh, but but not health related, just because there was personal preference to do something better than what we were doing, and um, yeah, uh, believe it or not, that's not so hard once you get past the uh, addictiveness of week two. But exactly. um, but I, you know, Desiree, you have some products, don't you, that would be helpful to to others to to make these changes, uh, DVDs, et cetera? I do. I do. I have a book called Fearless After 50, How to Thrive with Grace, Grit, and Yoga. Okay. Um, Available on Amazon and now Kindle and Audible. Okay. Many different ways for that, yeah. And then the uh, other thing is my my online videos for practicing with. One's on Yoga Download. Those are great. And also on Tint, T-I-N-T, which means it stands for There Is No Try. Okay. Yoga.com. And that's all uh, on my website. People can find uh, my name. Spell that yeah, for us. Desiree Rumba. Okay. com. D-E-S-I-R-E-E-R-U-M-B-A-U-G-H. Yeah. Desiree, I just wanted to let you know on a personal note, I just adore you and certainly your family. And I'm just so grateful for you taking the time. And most people listening don't know that uh, coordinating with Desiree is a little bit like um, uh, trying to line up a jet. She's all over the place. And so uh, coordinating a time was significant. And, and, again, I just wanted to thank you from literally the bottom of my heart for your, your presence and your time and your devotion today. Thank you so much, Weston. I appreciate you just as much. Thank you. And uh, I'm certainly hoping to have this opportunity again. For us to make true connections, we have to engage. I really want to hear your comments, so please leave a review at westonjolly.com forward slash review or go to iTunes and give me your thoughts there. This helps our connection and it's a tremendous help to others too. Everything we do is designed to offer you a deeper spiritual connection within. You can also make a personal appointment with me, Weston Jolly, right now by going to westonjolly.com. Also, check out my current events, books, and other products, also my free newsletter. Thank you for joining me, Weston Jolly, for my podcast, True Connections.